This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. A problematic link between the COVID vaccine and the heart inflammation. <clears throat> There certainly is a, a causal link between vaccination and myocarditis and pericarditis, no doubt about it. Uh, the, the, um, it's, it's unclear why. I mean, it may be, as was actually noticed in 2020, that SARS-CoV-2 virus, the spike protein, mimics um, a, one of the proteins on heart muscle cells, specifically the, the heavy chain of, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of um, actin. So, so if that's true, then while you're making an immune response to the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, you're also inadvertently making an immune response to your own heart muscle. Welcome to the War Room. It is Friday, July 28th, year of our Lord, 2023. Well, it might be at 6 p.m. at least here on the East Coast. And Friday, the last programming for War Room of the week, we still got, as Steve would say, a lot of wood to chop. We have some really wonderful guests joining us for the next hour. We got Dr. Malone to react to that clip and a lot more. We got, of course, fan favorite Mike Davis. And we'll conclude the show with Darren Beatty just sort of giving us a rundown of everything for the week and specifically his take on this whole crazy UFO hearing. What really is, is going on there? Uh, the signal, not the noise. But speaking of signal and not noise, someone who has consistently given us in the War Room Posse that is, of course, a dear friend of the show, Dr. Robert Malone. Now, you have a wonderful new Substack piece up that I want to get to. But before we dive into that, and of course, all the ways that the far left is trying to exploit climate change to advance their power, kind of reminds me what they did with the pandemic and COVID-19. Uh, I'd love to get your your take and sort of walk us through what exactly that clip is that we just watched. So that is basically uh, one of the anointed uh, um, gurus of vaccinology, one of the high priests of American scientist Paul Offit, who is credited with the uh, rebuilt rotavirus vaccine. He's an endowed professor at uh, Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania, I think, CHOP. And uh, he has been a noted spokesperson and champion of the vaccine industry for decades, uh, often cited by the corporate media, um, notably uh, cut, uh, you know, on a personal level, just to disclose conflict of interest, he cut a really nasty, defamatory, snarky uh, video with a guy named P. Diddy, about me. Uh, but uh, getting beyond that, what we have here is a clear limited hangout coming from one of the American uh, anointed vaccine leaders. He's acknowledging that myocarditis and pericarditis are causatively linked to the genetic vaccines, okay? Um, something that I've known since uh, 2021 uh, when I was discussing this with my colleagues on the inside at FDA, but outside the review branch. But he's now finally acknowledging what we've all known, 
but he is citing a outdated and discredited theory that is kind of the kindest and gentlest explanation of this, that it is an autoimmune problem. We know that that's false because elevated cardiac troponin is seen within hours of injection. This is an enzyme that's released from damaged heart cells, is, is by one paper revealed to be elevated, this enzyme, within hours of administration in about half of patients. That doesn't mean that half of patients have clinical myocarditis, but about half of patients have detectable myocardial damage after administration of these products. That is a direct toxicity. That is not an indirect autoimmune toxicity. And those data are well known, but Paul Offit is you know, gradually normalizing with the rest of the industry um, basically their guilt in trying to uh, suppress the voices of so many of us uh, that have tried to alert the public early on about what was going on with this, these products and the damage that they were causing, particularly to young male adults. And of course, this is what we all fear is behind this wave of sudden unexpected deaths that uh, another war room friend, Ed Dowd, has spoken about repeatedly here uh, to the posse. It's one of those situations where it's great to be vindicated from, you know, an ethical and journalistic perspective, but we didn't want to be be right, right? Exactly. But unfortunately, exactly. it, far, right, it's... I yeah. prefer that we were wrong, but uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, once again, we called it right. And a related story now that's just breaking uh, is titled The Facebook Files, um, this is uh, releases from the House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan yesterday that is documenting that the White House, at a time when it was becoming clear that the vaccines were not working and were toxic, was directly acting to suppress information through Facebook um, very aggressively, including humor, sarcasm. Uh, was directly targeted. It's as as Matt Taibbi, who's writing the lead stories on this, points out, there is no more clear breach of First Amendment that he could imagine being documented. And Jim Jordan has once again provided us the receipts that this Biden White House is out of control in terms of its acting through press, corporate media, um, and the social media channels, just like with the Twitter files, this expands that documentation and shows that there was a concerted effort and that corporate media knew at the time when uh, the uh, White House was trying so aggressively to suppress this information because it would cause vaccine hesitancy. Corporate media and the New York Times already knew that these vaccines were not working and were dangerous and yet they continued to act to suppress the truth. Well, Dr. Malone, I think you uh, you may take my job for me because you beat me to it. That was going to be my uh, my follow-up question. I'm sorry. Uh, one, one of my personal <laughs> favorite. No, <laughs> hey, it, make, it makes my job easier. Uh, but one, one of my favorite quotes from the new Facebook file, sort of the, the second iteration concerning the Delta variant, is that the Surgeon General wants us to remove information about side effects. 
even if they're true, as long as they don't provide the whole context, it, it really, you know, they, they, I know they call us conspiracy theorists and we've sort of normalized the term misinformation and disinformation. But I really wish that we, we weren't that and we weren't proven correct. But nine times out of ten, whether it's on the government censorship stuff, whether it's on the vaccines, whether it's on the origins of COVID, we see, we just keep seem to be uh, proved correct which I guess I'd take, but it's just unfortunate because it really does, I think, confirm the worst about our fears of this. Just I would call them a government, but I think a regime is, is, a, is a better descriptor. But on another front, sort of this war, the exploitation of, you know, public uh, health crises to create really a, a broader opportunity for a power grab at the hands of America's ruling class and, and more broadly, the global elite. I think climate change is one of those issues that the war room has Oops. sort of had their their spidey sense up about because there seems to be something amiss, as Steve would, would say, I'm sure, make it make sense. But you have a wonderful new Substack piece out, which I encourage the audience to go read after the show, of course. Um, but sort of diving into this. So if you want to walk us through that, um, I'm sure the audience would appreciate it. Well, there's a number of them that we put out, uh, and this is a continuing series. We're going to finish off with the third uh, the first one uh, documents green colonialism. This is a new term and uh, is being uh, circulated widely, particularly in emerging economies. What's happening now, and I'm sure you all are going to be shocked, is that the climate change agenda is being exploited to advance the interests of uh, really colonialist interests in less developed countries and emerging countries emerging economy countries, which of course dovetails into another one of our substacks recently that uh, Mr. Bannon got excited about, which is the one that documents and provides the receipts on the U.S. policy regarding uh, population control and reduction globally and capping population at 8 billion. But what's happening in the case of green colonialism is the United States working with the World Bank and the, and the World Economic Forum and the G20 and all the usual actors that we've come to uh, know and love in uh, the globalist world are acting to prohibit uh, emerging economies and lowest developed nations from using their natural resources such as natural gas to generate electricity. This is another case of it's good for me but not for thee. And uh, what they're doing is making it so they cannot get access to capital. This seems to be a favorite now, as we've seen the uh, various banking retaliations against people that are offering uh, uh, restricted, uh, disapproved speech. Um, Nigel Farage being one of the leading examples recently. Um, and uh, so what they're doing is, on a global basis, restricting access to capital. You cannot get funding if you're in one of these least developed countries for a, for instance, natural gas-fired electrical gener generation plant. But you can get, and they're forcing funding uh, for the build-out of solar and wind facilities, which are highly inefficient, but benefit the corporations that manufacture these technologies. So what we have is a, a clear example of leveraging these uh, policy positions that are being advanced that uh, we could say that this underlying science is at a minimum uh, debatable. 
uh, and uh, they are leveraging it to force the least developed countries into a position where they are going to be further indebted in uh, manufacturing capabilities, building out capabilities to produce um, highly expensive sources of electricity, which electricity is what they absolutely need most. A uh, case can be made that electric electricity is the most valuable commodity in the world outside of human capital. And they're preventing them from using their own natural resources and forcing them to use these expensive uh, technologies that are generated by the first world. And then the first world manufacturers make profit off of it. In a parallel substack in which we talk about the greening of the globe, which is the second in the series, we've had this long-standing storyline forced on us that we are seeing desertification and loss of, of uh, uh, green uh, biomass. But in fact, the science is coming in and is this covered in that substack with the citations. So once again, we're giving you the receipts. You can check it out yourself, make your own decisions. But the data indicates that in particularly in sub-Saharan Africa, we're seeing not a expansion of the deserts, but rather a contraction of the deserts and a greater greening globally, which is exactly what you'd expect as the Earth adopts to a little more CO2, because CO2 is absolutely necessary for plants to engage in photosynthesis. So what we're having is a great example of the natural response that Gaia, Mother Earth, whatever you want to call it, uh, has built into its ecology when you have these natural fluctuations. We also document that the timeline that the World Economic Forum and their acolytes are using uh, to justify their uh, climate crisis policies uh, cites back to they want to, to return to a period of time where there actually was a mini ice age. They're citing the specific targets that they're talking about to keep two degrees Celsius temperature or less relative to a time in the past that was a known mini ice age in which the Thames froze. So this is something that the course corporate media never talks about. But, you know, this is another case of uh, you can use statistics to lie any day of the week by just selecting the key parameters. And that explicitly is happening, at least in these cases. And as you know, a, a Nobel laureate recently is raising the red flags that that is happening throughout the literature, let's say, of the climate change agenda, which has the same parameters. If you question uh, that approved narrative, then you will be deplatformed and censored and defamed and lose your academic position and your ability to publish. And any academic papers in this have to have the standard caveat that climate change is important, just like they've had to have the standard caveat that the vaccines are safe and effective. This is uh, really thought control, censorship, fifth generation warfare deployed on a global scale, just as we see again and again. And as we've seen uh, played out over decades, whatever you think about the um, a UAP or UFO testimony, as far as I'm concerned, the story that is undeniable is one of the administrative state and the intelligence community um, actively resisting any congressional oversight. That is clear as day. Well, Dr. Malone, I think I will start the timer now.
We'll see how long it takes the uh, hacks and the establishment to come to the conclusions that you have and, of course, give you no credit, not that you're in it, for the credit to begin with. But, Dr. Mullen, thank you so much for joining us on a Friday afternoon. If the War Room Posse wants to stay up to date with your Substack and your Twitter and all, all things Dr. Malone, where can they find you? Well, remember, it's no longer Twitter. It's X. Uh, so at, at Getter. There you go. Yeah. Now you're fact-checking me. There you go. You're really going to take my job from me. <laughs> X, you can find me at, at RWMaloneMD. And it's the Substack is rwmalonemd.substack.com. And the Malone Institute is maloneinstitute.org, where we place a lot of the receipts for the longer things, including the Kissinger report on population control. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. And I think we have Mike Davis joining us soon. Yes, I see him popping up on my screen. Mike Davis, you guys know when I host, I always like to have Mike Davis on. Frankly, because the legal profession has gone so woke and so establishment, there are like no lawyers on our side who I can invite on the show to talk about anything legal going on. So that's why we have Mike Davis. No, I'm kidding. You're not. You're not just a uh, a last resort. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us, Mike. If you want to walk us through what the latest is on the superseding indictment, the bizarre timeline with the Hunter plea deal, uh, make it make it make sense, as Steve would say. We are scraping the bottom of the barrel with Mike Davis on Friday night, but here I am for you. Thank you for joining. With the haircut too. This was the topic of conversation last time he was on the show. I told him not to get the haircut, but apparently he didn't listen to me. So the, the, the it's okay. I'll little, still have you on the show. The lady went a little <laughs> bit too short last time, but that's all right. So anyway, with this super <laughs> with this superseding indictment, we have, of course, on Wednesday, Hunter Biden's uh, sweetheart plea arrangement with the Biden Justice Department, where they are trying to uh, have Hunter plead plead guilty to two minor misdemeanor charges related to not filing his taxes and then have a felony gun charge go away to cover up the tens of millions of dollars that the Biden family has coming from China and Ukraine and many other places into uh, Biden bag man, Hunter Biden, and distribute it to every sleazebag Biden in the Biden family, except for the four-year-old granddaughter who, uh, breaking news, uh, uh, President Biden just acknowledged for the first time this afternoon in a press statement. So he finally acknowledges his four-year-old granddaughter, Navy. But this plea bargain fell apart on Wednesday under basic questioning by a friendly judge, federal judge in Delaware. So what do we have the next day? Uh, as predicted, uh, Merrick Garland and Jack Smith brought a, a superseding or updated indictment against President Trump uh, based upon the, uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid is just a distraction. It's more lawfare. It's part of the pattern of lawfare by Democrats because they think they can't beat President Trump in the election in November 2024. So they just keep indicting him over and over and over. It started with Alvin Bragg's indictment, George Soros funded Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg indicting Trump for the non-crime of a businessman settling a nuisance claim, which is Every businessman has done. And then Jack Smith indicting President Trump now twice.
for the non-crime of a former president having his presidential records, which is allowed by the, the Presidential Records Act. And then we're going to see two more indictments coming up here, probably in August, again with Jack Smith and, and Fannie Willis, the Fulton County Democrat DA down in Georgia, indicting Trump for the non-crime of objecting to a presidential election, which is allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. It's also allowed by the First Amendment. So we have the, uh, the, the a former president indicted for the first time ever, and now they're going to do it like four times. It just never ends with these Democrats. They're, they're, uh, they're over the top, and they're going to guarantee that there is a political blowback big enough to put President Trump back in the White House. Well, I think they know that they're over the top. And one of the reasons that they get away with it is because they have what Steve always refers to as the Praetorian Guard, right? The censorship industrial complex. And I think most people are familiar with it by interfacing with the, you know, naggy little fact checkers on Facebook. I think they sort of got rid of them on Twitter, but they're still around on all all the, the meta owned and operated platforms. But there was as I was talking about briefly with Dr. Malone, some other pretty significant breaking news today um, coming out of Jim Jordan uh, and the uh, House Weaponization Committee, specifically the Facebook files, like I said, the second iteration talking about how the White House specifically was colluding with social media platforms, not even really colluding, but actually dictating what they could and couldn't allow, even in some cases, true information about these side effects of the COVID-19 vaccine. That's a direct quote. Um, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that whole uh, story that's unfolding as we speak. It is a clear First Amendment violation for the government to work with private actors to censor Americans. It's definitely a First Amendment violation when they order it, like the, the Biden administration was doing to Facebook. Here's the problem, Natalie. The reason the government is able to get away with this, and we've talked about this for a long time, is because you have these trillion dollar big tech monopolists, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. And the the government has a lot of leverage over these monopolists because they have Section 230 immunity and antitrust amnesty, and they also have government grants. And so these, these platforms like Facebook don't wanna anger their government masters because they don't wanna be broken up by the antitrust divisions and they don't want to lose their section 230 immunity and they don't want to lose their government contracts and so they jump and that's the problem this is why we have to break up big tech because we can't have concentrated power like this because it's too easy for the government to put their arms their hands around these big tech platforms next now we got a few minutes left uh in this block so i want to drill down i can see in corner of my eye I see msnbc and their, their chiron it, it's sort of it's really a miracle i think it's how many ways they can put the word trump in indictment but like still changing the chiron it's basically the same same gist in the sentence but they're just having fun i guess with the with the syntax and the diction um but it's very clear they're on indictment watch they're really playing into the whole mar-a-lago i see do, uh, you know documents on the screen all the boxes the pictures that they love to play for the War Room Posse, who, of course, won't be tuning in to MSNBC this weekend, but will be forced to watch the clips when Steve plays them on tomorrow's morning show. Indictment watch. You know, what exactly are we looking for? What do we think is going to come out? And I know you've always been talking about the Georgia case, how it's maybe the weakest of the three of them. But just maybe give them sort of a quick rundown of, of why it is bogus to begin with. 
Well, it's bogus because it's only illegal to object to elections in third world Marxist hellholes. Uh, you could object to elections in America, or, or you used to be able to object to elections in America. Uh, it's allowed by statute, the Electoral Count Act of 1887. It's also uh, t twisting arms, uh, twisting political arms used to be uh, legal under the First Amendment. Apparently, that's that's about to change. We're just becoming China. I and mean, that's, uh, you know, the, 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 chi the communist Chinese government invested very well in the Bidens because we're becoming China. Apparently, it's now illegal to object to presidential elections. And I think what the Democrats are trying to do here is, is they're trying to get one of the, like a D.C., Trump deranged D.C. jury where it's like 93 percent Democrat and 99 percent Trump deranged. And then you have a uniparty judge who may find Trump guilty of some sort of like seditious conspiracy or some nonsensical legal claim. And then what the Democrats may try to do is try to disqualify President Trump under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. After the after the Civil War, uh, the Congress passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, the Civil War Amendments to outlaw slavery and bring due process and equal protection to freed black slaves. And one of the provisions in the 14th Amendment disqualified uh, the people who took up arms against the United States during the Civil War. Those insurrectionists during the Civil War were disqualified under, this, uh, under the 14th Amendment from holding office. And I think you're hearing uh, rumblings of Democrats trying to use Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to try to disqualify President Trump from running for president in 2024. It is a laughable legal theory. It will not work either legally or politically, but that may be why they're heading down this path of this, this silly, uh, uh, the, these silly charges by Jack Smith, who's used to getting overturned unanimously by the Supreme Court, like, like he did with Virginia Governor Bob McDonald's conviction that Jack Smith secured when McDonald was going to run for president in 2016. I think Jack Smith is going down this path again, and so is an even goofier Democrat DA, Fannie Willis, down in Fulton County, Georgia. Third time's the charm, but I guess only uh, for the Trump campaign because their poll numbers only seem to be skyrocketing. Mike, if people want to stay up to date with you over the weekend and find you on social media, where can they go? Thank you, Natalie. It's, uh, you can donate at article3project.org, article3project.org, at article3project, at article3project on Getter, Twitter, Truth, and my personal is at M-R-D-D-M-I-A, M-R-D-D-M-I-N. Thank you, Natalie. But don't use the money to get a haircut. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thank you, as always, for joining me. And Warren Posse, hang in there. We'll be right back after this break. We got Darren Beatty joining us for the rest of the show. We are days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the United States dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are expected to announce the launch of a new international supercurrency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the United States and the dollar as the cornerstones of the global financial system. How can you protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout from this landmark announcement? Diversify with gold from Birch Gold Group. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty. 
which is right now. Get a free info kit on gold IRAs and decide for yourself if a tax-sheltered retirement account backed by physical precious metals is right for you. Text the word Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. This is a monumental shift happening among nations that control one-third of the world's GDP. And it kicks off on August 22nd. Arm yourself with information to protect your retirement savings. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-L-N, to the number 989898 and claim your free information kit from Birch Gold. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVID taxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. Okay, imagine you're at your doctor's office. Your doctor glances up from the chart and says, and I quote, Hey, whatever you're doing, keep it up, end quote. Now that's the field of greens, better health promise. Check out this customer testimonial. He said, and I want to quote here, I've been taking Field of Greens and this is the second time my doctor has danced into the room praising my blood results. Credit where credit's due. Thanks, Field of Greens. End quote. Now each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected for a specific health benefit. Some support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidneys. Others support metabolism metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss. If you're busy, if you don't get enough exercise, if you eat too much fast food, take Field of Greens. Look, Field of Greens can't promise your doctor will dance into your room, but they can promise at your next checkup, your doctor will notice you improve health or you get your money back. Let me repeat that. You get your money back. I trust Field of Greens for my health and you can too. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Take action today. Use your agency, fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon, and get the better health promise. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. It's still Natalie Winters hosting, but don't go anywhere because we have a wonderful guest joining us. We got the one and only 
Darren J. Beattie, or should I say Dr. Darren J. Beattie. Loyal fans of the show may know that both Darren and I attended the University of Chicago, so we are fellow Maroons, though probably the most looked down upon <laughs> people who've ever graduated from that esteemed institution, but I wear that as a very large badge of honor. There's a lot that I want to get into with Darren. You guys know he's uh, from Revolver.News, so he's easy to have on the show because I can basically just pick any topic. He always knows what to say. So I want to get to your wonderful interview with Imran Khan. I want to hit DeSantis, hit all those good things. But before we do, I want to start with what I think is one of the more interesting things in the news cycle right now. Not the Barbie movie. I wish. Maybe if we have time, we can go there. But this whole UFO hearing, uh, I know you have some interesting thoughts, some interesting uh, parallels, kind of historical comparisons. Um, but before we get into the, the real stuff, and Cameron, if we have the clip, let me know and we'll play it. Um, but I would just like your thoughts, not actually on the aliens, but on the bureaucrats who are almost more insane um, and their performance on the Hill a few days ago. Indeed, and it would be very helpful to have the clip because the clip really speaks for itself. But you know, we need the context, which is basically the government. I think is... I think we have the clip. Okay, let's. So we'll play it and then we'll come back. Yeah. All right. Yeah, with that being Roll said, clip. you have mentioned that there's interdimensional p potential. Could you expound on that? Oh yeah, to answer your first question, and you know, I'm here as a fact witness and expert, but I, I will give you a, a theoretical framework at least to work off to kind of espouse. Uh, crashes, uh, regardless of, uh, you know, your level of sentience, right? You know, planes crash, cars crash, and number of sorties, what, however high, a small percentage are going to end in, you know, mission failure, if you will, as we say in the, in the Air Force. Uh, and then in terms of uh, multidimensionality, that kind of thing, the, the framework uh, that I'm familiar with, for example, is something called the holographic principle uh, both, uh, it's, it derives itself from general relativity and uh, quantum mechanics, and that is, if you want to imagine uh, a 3D object such as yourself casting a shadow onto a 2D surface, uh, that's the holographic principle. So you can be projected, quasi-projected from higher dimensional space to lower dimensional. It's a scientific trope that you can actually cross, literally, as far as I understand, but there's probably guys of PhDs that we could probably but, argue about that. But you have yeah. not seen any documentation that that's what's occurring. Uh, only a, a theoretical framework discussion. Yeah. Guys with PhDs, I think we have one of those here. Well, Darren, if you would uh, like to expouse upon what we just watched, I would very much appreciate that. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. Very well played. Very well played, Natalie. But look, <laughs> say about this i this guy needs to espouse upon his ridiculous <laughs> watch like i don't know if that's government issue or what but the whole thing is like you know when you're watching a marvel movie that's just catered to the lowest common dumb denominator and they have some like really conspicuous scientists but they need to beat you over the head with it so they have like glasses and they give them their one little script that totally conforms to a really dumb person's conception of how a smart person might talk. This is basically 
that. You have this guy who's clearly like uncomfortable using any kind of sophisticated language. I don't know what the hell he was trying to say with expouse, which isn't even a word. And then he goes on to like the holographic principle and throws in the term quantum mechanics for good measure later on in his testimony. It's just a bunch of gobbledygook. It doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. And it's so, so dumb. Um, and so what are they doing here? Why are they not sending their best? I mean, if, if this is the best the Air Force has, we're, we're in big trouble here. So what's really going on with this UFO stuff? And I think we need to understand that we're in a time right now. The moment in the country is one in which... Basically, the regime has aggressively censored any kind of open and honest conversation on events that directly affect our daily lives, aggressively censored information on COVID, aggressively censor information on elections, aggressively censor information on crime. Take anything and it's aggressively censored to the point where you have whistleblowers. There was a case of one whistleblower in the FBI who it came out had the audacity to share a revolver.news article with his fellow FBI agents. And on that basis, the FBI determined that he was a threat to the United States and revoked his top secret security clearance. And we've learned more and more about how whistleblowers on things like January 6th have had their lives ruined, not to mention, you know, cases like Julian Assange that are much more severe. And we're supposed to believe that this bungling guy with a fat head that projects the aura of someone who only knows how to take orders like that's the kind of face you develop from saying sir yes sir for the 10,000th time such that it's ossified into the muscles of your jaw this guy has not had an original or defiant thought in his life and yet he's the person of all people who's coming forward and revealing the deepest darkest most protected government secrets about quote unquote biologics which is another ridiculous word that he uses that I guess he thinks that really low IQ people will hear and think, oh, you said biologics, he must be a top level spook because he didn't say living creature. No, only, only someone with a top secret clearance would say something like biologics. So it's just, it's such a low effort thing. And it's in the context, as I was saying, of they're trying to censor everything else. And we're supposed to believe that this guy is, blowing the whistle on one of the most carefully guarded secrets of the U.S. government and the mainstream media that's been aggressively censoring and punishing anyone who you know, pays any kind of deference to a counter-narrative um, idea, they're trotting him out. For whatever reason, they want to shove this UFO conversation into our consciousness now. So the question is why? It's not to say that there's no credence to any of the claims to UFOs. It's to say, why is it that the regime seems to be desperate for this to occupy our consciousness now? And as I tweeted out, there's some precedent for this. In fact, there is a cable, um, uh, old cable from the CIA that, you know, they're doing what they do best, uh, regime change. This is case in Guatemala, but word came out about their CIA-backed coup in Guatemala. And so there was a cable 
from the CIA basically saying, how do we distract from knowledge of this? How do we, you know, distract people, give them bread and circuses, give people what some might call cattle slop? Well, one of the options that they entertained was, let's just put stuff about flying saucers in the news. That'll be a good distraction for people. So that's a documented case of them doing that. There's an incredibly informative, entertaining, and really disturbing documentary. I really encourage everyone watching this to see this. I think ordinary people might not be able to handle it, but let's face it, Natalie, I'm speaking to an elite group right now because it's the hardcore war room posse who's here on a Friday evening. These are the people who can really handle the disturbing stuff. These are the people who need to watch this documentary called The Mirage Men. Absolutely fascinating. And it's about the case of this Air Force counterintelligence official who's basically come forward, now it's known, his job was to feed all of these UFO people disinformation in order to distract them from actual top secret programs that the government was engaged in by dangling this fool's gold of UFO stuff. And they're a fascinating case of the NSA intercepted one UFO researcher's signals and they were like, feeding him fake information and pretending to be aliens. <laughs> and they, they, it's actually not that funny. They drove one guy insane to the point where I think he committed suicide. So there's several documented cases of the government using and amplifying the UFO story for their own ulterior purposes. So I think we need to keep that in mind as for, again, for whatever reason, it's very clear the UFO thing all of a sudden is the only quote unquote conspiracy theory that the government is desperate for you to think about right now and believe in. So I think we need to approach the issue with an appropriate degree of skepticism, to say the least. Yeah, it's the only conspiracy theory I've ever seen amplified by Newsweek, by Time, by the BBC. Um, but it brings me to my next question. Uh, which brings us, I think, to the other topic I'd wanted to get to. But first of all, you know, what do you think they're trying to distract from right now? And that's not a rhetorical question because there are so many uh, potential answers to that. But more broadly on this idea of the government trying to distract from a greater issue or maybe their involvement or culpability for some of these these issues, I'm inclined to think of January 6th. I mean, hey, if the government can have people pose as aliens, having feds pose as a uh, MAGA might be even more difficult for some DC bureaucrats to do that. Um, but I'd love to get your thoughts on what you think exactly or precisely they're trying to distract from right now. And of course, as one of the, I think, foremost reporters in sort of the January 6th fed surrection uh, area, your thoughts on what DeSantis said too um, in regards to that insurrection. I'll, I'll quote him. <laughs> yes. So the question what the government or what the regime might be trying to distract from by amplifying all this UFO stuff, that's a great question. And it's really hard to pin down a definitive answer. You know, a lot of people were speculating they're trying to distract from the Hunter stuff and the Biden stuff. I happen to think, though, that the Hunter stuff, um, the regime kind of wants us to think about and talk about. I don't think they're trying to cover that up because in my view, all of this stuff about Hunter is basically teeing up the ultimate removal of Joe Biden and replacing him with a more viable candidate for 2024. So I actually think the regime 
wants the Hunter stuff and the Biden stuff to some degree to remain front and center as part of the political conversation because for their own purposes, namely that they recognize Biden is not a very strong candidate at this point and they want to run someone far more viable, like, for instance, Gavin Newsom. So I don't think it's a distraction from the Biden stuff per se. I can imagine it as part of a more a longer term strategy. Maybe it's a psyop in relation to China. Maybe they want to psych out China with the suggestion that maybe we have reverse engineered technology that they're not aware of and that they don't have. Maybe it's um, a kind of psyop in order to increase the appetite or at least the um, support for funding for various government programs, for the military, for the Space Force, and so forth. Or there's a documented history of the government just floating things around to see how gullible the population is, how much purchase they still have, almost a kind of market research thing to see if we float this and we push this narrative, can we get people to actually believe it and what happens to kind of gauge their credibility for if government people come out and say something ridiculous, to what degree will people believe it? And, you know, these things are not mutually exclusive. Also, I think, you know, the, the public is very much and I don't say this in a derisive way, but the public is very much conspiracy brained at the moment. There's a big appetite for conspiracy theories. A lot of these theories are extremely substantiated. For instance, um, you know, the, the Fed's erection thesis that I think is just to call it a conspiracy theory is not derisive. It has absolutely overwhelming evidence for it. But there's an appetite for this kind of thing because there's an all time high of distrust of government. So I think at the very least, the government thinks that this UFO stuff is a safe way to feed that appetite for kind of conspiratorial narratives. It's a very safe conspiracy compared to the things that people actually want the truth about and are talking about in far more sensible terms related to the origins of COVID, which is substantiated, which related to Fed surrection, which has overwhelming evidence. They don't want people talking about those things. They don't want people talking about the Epstein client list. So they say, here's something that feeds that appetite that is, at the end of the day, not really subversive at all, and in many ways can actually be used to um, support various agendas on the table that the government wants anyway. So that's my best explanation. And Darren, before, before, we, get, before we get to the DeSantis stuff, we have the clip that we, we will play, but I think quick note to the U.S. government, if you want the American people to buy a conspiracy theory, don't use uh, Mr. Expose sitting up there <laughs> with his horrific syntax and, and diction. And I just have to throw in my two cents. Maybe they're trying to distract from uh, the raging and wild success of Sound of Freedom and that whole issue. But uh, I was about to say Denver, uh, but I think it's Memphis, Memphis. If we have the clip, let's play it real quick. And Darren, we'll get your comments on the other side. You said Trump should have done more on January 6th. Like what? Well, look, I think it's I think it's been well documented, kind of his conduct when when it first started, how how he sat there, you know, could, could have obviously leaned in harder. I think I mean, even his own kids were texting saying, you know, he needs to do more. He needs to do more. 
Is that criminal, though? I mean, that's the thing when you talk about a grand jury and a potential criminal indictment. That, if you just saw my face, that was my <laughs> visceral cringe to anything that DeSantis says or does. I, I apologize. I usually try to smile on this show, but sometimes when you have to look at Rob DeSantis, you just can't fake a smile, and apparently neither can he. Darren, walk us through why what he's saying is just absolutely insane. Well, I'm tempted to do a DeSantis impression, which I won't, that would involve Do this, it. Like, you, really you should weirdly, do it. Really weirdly <laughs> shaking your head. He needs to he needs to look at his micro expressions. <laughs> his micro expression game is really a, a disaster. And that's one of the things that he needs to understand is like if you look at how much his head is shaking, he sees tweaking it's uh, it's really a profound turnoff, and it makes it hard for people to actually look at the substance of what he's saying, which is arguably even a greater turnoff. In the case of his remarks on January 6th, like the idea that Trump is somehow culpable or he should have leaned in more, what the hell does that mean? Trump is well documented to have said, look, we want to do it peacefully. He said everything about peacefully. Um, he didn't incite in any fashion. He tried to turn down the heat multiple times, even if it's come out that the aggravation overwhelmingly was on the part of the Capitol Police that was, you know, firebombing, doing all kinds of things in order to rile up the crowd. So there's nothing in terms of leaning in that Trump could have or should have done more. And it really kind of, I think contextually, it telegraphs the fact that DeSantis's only hope at this point is what I've called the Merrick Garland strategy. That is, he needs a Merrick Garland bailout. He needs to rely on a corrupt Department of Justice to do the work that he can't do with an organically successful campaign. And so because he's relying on the corrupt DOJ and relying on Merrick Garland to deliver him a primary victory, essentially, he has to pay some degree of lip service to the um, attitude and the perspective on January 6th reflected by the people who are going to push this latest January 6th indictment of Trump. So that, I think, is the underlying explanation, but it's tremendously um, unfortunate. It's uh, simply incorrect, and it really shows that he's not the principal leader that we really need if he's talking about January 6th in that fashion. And based on what I've seen, his remarks there were extremely ill-received by um, basically by the American people who know the truth about January 6th. I'm not very good at sports metaphors, but I think that's what I would call a, a fumble, I think. Um, <laughs> but Darren, we got a little less than two minutes left so why don't you let the War Room Posse know what is new and exciting at Revolver.News, what you're working on, news, op-eds, everything. Like I said, it got a little under two minutes. Absolutely. Well, for those that miss it, I would strongly advocate go to Revolver.News and watch the exclusive interview that I did with former Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan, who is his parallels between Khan and Trump are really uh, arresting and, you know, no pun intended, because 
uh, Imran Khan faces arrest. He's currently under house arrest. He's kind of ahead of Trump in terms of the indictments. He's, he's over 100 indictments, but it's the same deal. He was a vastly popular leader who defeated two entrenched corrupt political families in Pakistan. He's been at war with the deep state in Pakistan, which is conveniently aligned with our deep state. And he's, they deposed him. They did a color revolution. The United States government, Biden government, he got along great with Trump. Biden's government, really Victoria Newland is behind it. The regime change dominatrix, I called her. They put out an ultimatum and they basically said to Pakistan, you get rid of this guy or else there'll be consequences. And Darren, they we're going to we're going to have to we're going to have to jump because uh, I want to give you where. I, well, first of all, I want to know what the Pakistani equivalent of a Norm Eisen is. Um, but real quick, where if people need to go find you on Twitter, where can they find you real quick? At Darren J. Beatty at Darren J. Beatty Twitter at Revolver News on Gitter. And go there, War Room Posse. Have a good weekend. Thank you. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit JaceMedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, JaceMedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, Medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroom Health, all one word, warroomhealth.com. 
Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.